Crosswind takeoffs and landings, flying landing patterns, slow flight, stall spin recognition and recovery, slips to landings, flying and thermals, all of those skills that you can have a tendency to lose over time or lose because you never do them after you take a check ride, all of those skills can be maintained at a, at a very high level of proficiency using simulation. I've used Condor to practice self-launching sailplane engine failures anywhere from 20 feet to failure to stow. This is Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and bringing you great soaring content from glider pilots all over the globe. We now join Chuck and our guest pilot. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Always happy to have you join us for another episode for this edition, I've reached out to Scott Manley. Now, he's going to talk about how we can use simulation as a powerful tool to learn and also have some fun while we're on the ground. For the past few years, he's been teaching students gliding all over the globe online using Condor, the soaring simulator. He has so much to share about how we can get the most out of our simulators. We also reached out to you, the soaring community, to find out how you use Condor and you did not disappoint. Some of you left your comments on social media, and some of you recorded your responses on our website, and we are stoked to share those with you today as well. Sergio the Soaring Master has a new and interesting segment for you later in this episode, and this one is titled The Day's Script. Now, before we get started, please do us a huge favor and hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends what they are missing. You know, it's amazing, but I still run into people today that don't know what a podcast is. So if it makes it easier, you can just give them our website. And of course, they can listen right there. We greatly appreciate you sharing the podcast and growing the soaring community. If you're someone that is able and would like to help us out even more, please head over to patreon.com slash soaring the sky, become one of our Patreon pilots. For other options, you can go over to our website, soaringthesky.com. Also, a big thank you to our current Patreon pilots. We greatly appreciate your continued support. Wings and Wheels has been serving the soaring and sport aviation community for over 30 years. They hands down have the largest and most comprehensive inventory of sailplane and soaring supplies in North America and they ship globally. Nearly everything you'll find on their site is in stock and ready for same-day shipping. Wings and Wheels is the exclusive American representative for HPH sailplanes. Be sure to check out the Twin Shark, their latest launch. They're also now the exclusive distributor in North America for the new Just Soaring Glider Sim Pro. The team has thousands of hours of flying experience in gliders and airplanes, staffed by Adam, Kelly, Julie, and Sean. A friendly voice will answer when you call or email them. Check them out at wingsandwheels.com. Scott Manley, welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you today. Thank you, Chuck. It is good to be here. You know, it has been a while since we last spoke. You shared your aviation journey with us back on episode 45, and I wanted to get you back on, and I figured this would be a great time to do it since we're gearing down here in the Northern Hemisphere, and a lot of us will be flying less, maybe not at all. Now, Scott, you, you've been very active in the sim flying and training, and simulators, as we all know, are a lot of fun, but we're going to get into this, but they can be very beneficial in training, and that's that, of course, is where you come in and what we're going to talk about. So I'd like to start out with competition soaring. Can you give me the benefits, what we can do on the simulator? Well, certainly if you're somebody who's into competition soaring, 
Uh, I know several people who um, advanced into the competition world very quickly, the real competition world, by first uh, learning to fly competitively in Condor. Because there are, in fact, international types of uh, competitions where you can be competing against some of the best people in the world in glider competitions. There were, for quite a while, I don't know if they're, how active they are still right now, but there's, there was a number of um, U.S.-based competitions that were running nightly. There was, it was actually called U.S. Nightly Soaring, where you could connect and, and race with people all over the United States. Um, there was another venue called Monday Night Soaring. So, and I, I, uh, I don't know if some of those are still going right now, but there are, there are venues like that. Uh, there are also clubs now that, you know, in the off season will be hosting uh, regular events where they're, where they're members. And it isn't just racing. Um, it's just, it can just be friendly flying, just people connecting and, uh, and just flying with each other like they might in the, in this, in the regular season. There's also something that I, that I call poker night, um, where I imagine, uh, you know, three or four people who want to just kind of either fly together or race together. Uh, they just show up at, at each other's house like they would um, to play poker. You know, they got chips and drinks and they, they sit across the table from each other. They network on the uh, on a condor session and they, they either go flying or they race each other around a course that they set up and uh, they go home again. And, you know, next week we meet over at Joe's house. Nice. So competition can go all the way from just, you know, just friendly uh, just friendly get-togethers with a couple people, uh, all the way up to serious, serious racing uh, at the international level. Yeah, I'd, I'd had a group of friends, and we were getting together uh, a couple winters ago, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, so much fun. We'd pick where we want to fly in the world, and we'd all pick a time and meet and chat while we're flying. And yeah, it's, it was a blast. Cross-country, what are the benefits if you enjoy doing, if you, if you think you'd like to do cross-country flying, but you're, you're not necessarily willing to do that in a real aircraft because of the risks associated with it, or you don't have an aircraft that you can do that in, Condor is a, is a pretty decent way to start experiencing uh, what cross-country soaring would be like and to actually, again, develop cross-country skills, including navigation and, and, and uh, you know, finding lift and using lift and... Uh, Again, all the skills that you would need to fly real cross country can be developed quite handily in Condor. Also, if you if you don't want to act, you just don't want to assume the risk that's associated with flying cross country. You don't want to land out. You just don't want to do it. Um, you can still have all the all the pleasure and challenge of flying cross country in simulation without uh, without assuming the risk. One of the other kind of cool things about it is that you can you can fly cross country in parts of the world that you probably never do it otherwise. There are all kinds of people who are building landscape files for places all over the world. So, for example, I know that you you mentioned recently that you were flying in the Alps recently. So, there are there are sites out on the um, on the internet where you can load do- download these landscapes. Uh, if you go to Condor's uh, website, uh, condorsoaring.com, in the about section, there's a there's a place called landscape links where you can link to places like the Condor Club. And I think there's another one called Condor World or something where you can actually download landscapes at a lot of, from a lot of places in the world. Interesting enough, there's also a, an organization started recently called Soaring Tools, soaringtools.org. This is a group of folks who are trying to, to promote the use of simulation. And one of the things that they'll do for you is they'll actually develop a landscape for your local area for free. They'll build it for you. They also have a whole list of uh, landscapes around the U.S. that they've already developed that you can download if you want. 
And they also have um, the tools that you can use and tutorials on doing your own landscape development if you'd like to, if you'd like to get into that kind of thing. Huge opportunities for uh, learning about cross-country, enjoying cross-country flying without the, the risk and expense and time that it might include otherwise. And in fact, once you learn those skills, you may in fact uh, be much more excited about doing it in the real world. So it may in fact encourage you to do something that you might not have dared to do otherwise. So uh, another great application for simulation. Yeah. I didn't know about the soaringtools.org. That is very cool. Yeah, it is. Now, profi- proficiency, of course, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because in the wintertime, not a lot of people are soaring. So tell us how we can stay proficient. Well, what's interesting is um, back in the day, um, I actually did flight instruction uh, for a commercial operation up in Wisconsin. And of course, in Wisconsin, you know, you're pretty much not flying for six months. And uh, as a flight instructor, it was one of my responsibilities when, when we started up in the spring again to, to kind of get people back uh, to the point where they're safe to fly. And you don't do something for six months and you're not as sharp at it when you come back. And so there was a, a period of time where you had to get people back up to speed. Um, interestingly enough, and, and you can believe this or not, but uh, because I flew simulation, you know, when, when the glider operation would shut down in the fall, I would be flying in simulation all winter long. And when I came back in the spring, I could get into a glider and fly it like I had never left. Absolutely. And for all, for all practical purposes, I had never left. My, flying is a mental process. And if you keep those mental processes sharp, if you keep your situational awareness sharp and your flying skills sharp and your decision-making sharp, you can step right back into a glider, literally, and fly it like you never, like you never walked away from it because your brain never did. And it's all about the brain. So yeah, in, in you know in the off season, the other thing about proficiency is there's a uh, the other thing that I would notice, for example, when somebody would come back in the spring, I would ask them to perform maneuvers that they had to do on their private pilot check ride. For example, uh, a no dive break approach, and they hadn't done one in years, and so they they were they couldn't do it, right. and they were I know I wasn't I wasn't going to let them fly until they could, so it was you know it was a little bit of agony. Those, ki- those kinds of things, crosswind takeoffs and landings, flying landing patterns, slow flight, stall spin recognition and recovery, slips to landings, flying in thermals, all of those skills that you can have a tendency to lose over time or lose because you never do them after you take a check ride, all of those skills can be maintained at a, at a very high level of proficiency using simulation. So uh, you never really have to you know, uh, work your way back because you, you just use the simulator simulation to to keep all those skills sharp. It's the way that the airlines keep their pilots proficient. It's the way the military keeps their pilots proficient. It's the way the, uh, the flight schools, the, the professional flight organizations like Flight Safety International, you know, if you're flying a, a Learjet or something else, you have to come back for proficiency training. That's all done in simulation. So it's just a, yeah, it's a great way to, it's a great way to keep your skills sharp. I had talked about this, I think maybe one other time on the podcast, but back when I was, uh, before I soloed, I believe it, it was all winter. I hadn't flown got back in the glider with the instructor in the spring and he's like, all right, time to get the rust off. So we took off and it was one of my best takeoffs that I'd had. And he's like, well, that didn't take long. What's your secret? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I've been on the simulator a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, he was like, Oh, okay. And he wasn't a big simulator guy. Just never was, but he's like, okay, well, must have helped because he said, I can barely tell you've been sitting around all winter, not flying in the actual glider. It worked though. Yeah, it's great. 
Absolutely. New experiences and those things that, that you haven't done yet. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. You know, especially the condor simulation. There's all kinds of things that you can that you can experience in condor that you that you again might not have the opportunity or to do in the real world. So, for example, uh, you could you can try your hand at aerobatics in in simulation and just try it out. See see what you know. Try to do a loop. Try to do a roll. See what it's see what it's like because the flight dynamics in in condor are very good. They're very accurate. So it gives you some idea. My my you know my first recommendation would be you know, do some reading on it so that you have some idea what you're actually supposed to be doing. Yeah. But even if, but even if you don't, you're not going to kill yourself flying aerobatics in, in condor. So in some cases, uh, a lot of times with the, with the things that you try out in condor, what you discover is that uh, you really don't know what you're doing. And a lot of times it's what you don't know that, that you need to learn. So, you know, you might think it's easy to do a loop, uh, but there's, there's a technique to it and there's, there's uh, other things that you need to do. So you can try your hand at it. And uh, one of my recommendations is, I, I, and I haven't talked to him about it recently, but um, Jason, um, who runs Estrella Gliderport out in Arizona, yeah. uh, you know, national champion in aerobatics. Um, one of these days, I'm going to give him a call and I'm going to say, Jason, I would like you to, I mean, I've tried my hand at aerobatics and condor and I, you know, I, I stumble around with it, but I would actually like to take online instruction from you and learn what I'm actually supposed to be doing in these maneuvers. So I could actually take lessons from him uh, over the internet without driving all the way to Arizona to do it. Yeah. We'll see if he takes, we'll see if he takes me up on it sometime. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing that you can, some other things that you can do in, in uh, Condor is, you know, the Condor has got this whole range of aircraft from training aircraft all the way up through aerobatic aircraft and, you know, the, the hot stuff, the, the you know, the, the jonkers gliders and, you know, the big wingspan things and, you know, really high performance gliders with long wingspans and flaps and retractable landing gear. You can go try out all of those things and kind of give get a get a feeling for what it's like to fly an advanced aircraft. Condor has available all of the launch methods. So, you know, most of us learn to fly on aerotow in this country. But if you want to see what it's like to take a winch launch, Condor will let you do that. You can you can give it a try. And again, I'd, I'd recommend that maybe you read up on it and, and so that you have some idea what you're supposed to be doing. But even if you just want to give it a try just to see what it's like to do a winch launch, uh, Condor lets you do that. And Condor now has uh, several gliders that you can buy that will self-launch. And so you can you can actually get, you know, some kind of an idea of, of what it would be like to uh, take off without a tow plane, be able to launch the glider yourself and shut the engine down and, and then uh, go back to being a glider. And then of course there's, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a flatland pilot, so I had never flown on a ridge. I had never flown in mountains. Uh, I had never flown in wave effect. You can do all of those things in Condor. So again, with with no risk to yourself and uh, and and probably a good learning experience, uh, these are all you know just an a couple examples of things that you could experience in Condor that you might not be able to do in the real world now or ever for that matter. But you can do have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Flight training. Flight training, my favorite, my favorite topic. Um, <laughs> so I I came to the world of uh, flight instruction. Um, I, I call it coming through the back door. I was actually a formally educated and experienced teacher uh, at the at the secondary level, high school level, uh, before I started flying. So as a, a professional educator, when I came to flight instruction, I already knew about from my studies and other things, the value of simulation in the process of helping somebody learn to fly or helping some simulation is used to teach people a lot of things. Um, simulation is used to teach people to run uh, nuclear power stations. Simulation is being used a lot now in, in teaching people how to do surgery. 
it's just a very common uh, and powerful teaching tool. And so I knew when I was coming into flight training, I was going to be a flight instructor, that I, I needed to find myself a flight simulator. And, and I happened to come across Condor. So uh, most of my flight training is initial flight training. I'm taking somebody from not knowing much about anything to uh, all the way through the curriculum, all the way through the practical test standard for flying gliders. I've also taken people who have uh, airplane category ratings and, and uh, worked with them uh, toward getting a category, a glider category, adding radon. You can certainly do a lot of advanced topic training as well. It's just not necessarily initial. Again, we talked about uh, cross-country flying. If you wanted to learn cross-country flying, my recommendation would be go find somebody who knows how to fly cross-country and work with them in simulation. They can, they can sit next to you and teach you the basics of cross-country flying in simulation just as well as they could do it in a real aircraft, and I would argue probably better than in a real aircraft. There's no weather limitation. There's no time limitation. There's no time of the year limitation. There's no aircraft limitation. The tow plane's never down, and it's a, just a better environment in which to teach. You can also learn you know, cross-country navigation. You can learn competition flying this way. And again, we mentioned, you know, flying in ridges, flying in mountains, find, find people who know how to do that and they can teach you those things. And it doesn't have to be in person. All of the instruction that I do right now is online over the internet. And so if you can find somebody in Colorado who knows how to fly in the mountains and you can connect with them over Condor, they can teach you about mountain flying and they can sit in their living room in Colorado and, and, and watch you on a screen fly, fly in mountains and in, in anywhere and tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and what you need to be thinking about and take you into situations and back you out, back out of them again. Just all kinds of stuff you can do in the, in the flight training uh, environment in, in Condor. Um, the, the developers of Condor did not develop it for this purpose, but what they did do is they built a very good simulation of glider flying. Uh, the physics model is great. The weather model is great. And so it, it's possible to train people to very high standards um, with this software in, in initial and advanced training. Uh, so highly recommended for, for clubs and commercial operations. It's a great way to train people to fly. It's the best way to train. In fact, it's all I do now. I, I, own, I don't train in real aircraft anymore. It's, uh, it's not a good use of my time. Um, I can do more in an hour uh, online with somebody than I can do in an entire day at an airport. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Something you had mentioned that you had in your notes here, which I think is is a pretty cool idea. I didn't think about it because... You know, you have a friend over and they don't know much about gliders, but they're intrigued and they're listening to you. And, you know, you have a setup at the house and you're like, hey, well, you know what? Tell you what, how'd you like to take a, a ride virtually? And like I said, I didn't think about this till you had mentioned it, but you can actually give someone a ride and they don't have to know how to fly on the simulator. So how does that work? Well, this, this kind of falls into the, um, the category of promoting the sport, which is another great use for simulation. You can literally take the sport of soaring wherever it needs to go. For example, I've, I've done presentations to like EAA chapters, people who are already pilots, but they, they typically fly airplanes and, and don't know much about flying gliders at all. I've done presentations at, the, uh, at five or six of the um, EAA conventions in Oshkosh, AirVenture. Uh, I do a presentation there called Introduction to Soaring Flight, where I, I record a lot of um, video from Condor and I, and I play it back as part of my uh, part of my presentation so they can not only just hear about it they can they can kind of see what it's like there are uh, you know you could you could do presentations and demonstrations to high school stem programs or physics uh, classes because there's a lot of physics involved in, in flying and you could relate a lot of it to uh, and, and introduce people to the sport in the process just a couple of weeks ago there was a, a group in Madison Wisconsin called women in aviation 
who put on a program for young girls who might be interested in trying to get younger girls interested in learning to fly. And we were at that, uh, that venue with a number of Condor setups um, with virtual reality headsets. And we were letting these young ladies experience what it was like to fly. And they were, they were just lined up waiting to take their turn at this. So yeah, you can, you can either sit somebody down and if they, if they think they'd actually like to try to fly the aircraft, they can in a very, in a very safe environment. Right. If you're doing it under a virtual reality headset, it's pretty hard to tell the difference between the real thing and the virtual reality these days. Yeah. yeah but back yeah. to your notion of, of ride, I had an experience um, a while back where uh, I was at Ashkosh, and the wife of one of the of one of the glider pilots came up to me and said, "I'd like to understand what it is my husband sees in this." <laughs> and I said, "And I said, okay, uh, sit down." I put the VR headset on her. I said, um, I'm just going to take you for a ride. And what I did is I, I played a what's called a condo replay, which is basically just a, a, a movie right. of a flight that I made. And so yeah. it was exactly like her taking a, a, a ride in a glider. She was sitting in the glider on the ground. The tow plane taxied out in front of her, connected to the glider, and the arrow towed out. The tow plane towed her out for a while to altitude. The, the tow plane released or the, the glider released. The glider flew around for a while and flew its way back into the traffic pattern and landed. It's exactly like she would have experienced if she was flying, just going for a ride in a glider. She was free to look around while, while she was flying. She could turn her right. head and look, look over the side of the glider and look out the side of the glider. It was exactly like she had gone for a ride. She took off the headset and she said, okay, I, I think I understand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. If we go back a, a little bit, um, that's actually when I first met you was there at Oshkosh. Oh, did we, did we meet yeah. at Oshkosh? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, we did the, did the VR. I didn't realize it till then later I talked to you on the podcast, but then put the two and two together. It was, it was pretty wild. That was actually my first experience with VR, and that kind of hooked me. So Yeah, it is, it is incredible how realistic it is. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. So to the fun part, of course, we like to take Condor series and simulators series, but we do, all of us like to, mess around and have some fun. So what are some of the things we can do? Well, um, I actually did this, I uh, did a segment on this for a lot of years. Um, anybody who was talking to me about Condor, they would, they would say something like, you know, I was, I was playing with Condor the other day and I would kind of get up on their face a little bit and say, you weren't playing with Condor. You don't play with this software. This is not a toy. Yeah. But in fact it is, I mean, we're human beings. We're always looking to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. And so I've kind of given up on the notion that you can't play with this software. I think you absolutely can. And, and people will, you can't stop them. And so I actually did part of a, a presentation uh, recently at one of the SSA conventions where I where I, I, just, I simply had a segment of, of uh, yeah, I mean, think about things that you, that you can do in simulation that you would never do in a real glider. Yeah. So for example, uh, if you've ever thought what it would be like to do a high speed inverted pass down the runway, <laughs> You can, you can do that in Condor. Right. Um, I've, I've got video of me flying, uh, flying the glider through a hangar in one side <laughs> of the hangar, out the, out the other side of the hangar, uh, and, and doing that upside down. Oh, um, one, of the, one of the fun things to do that I'll, I'll show people uh, during their arrow toe lesson, uh, they'll arrow toe out, you know, as I'm teaching them the arrow toe, they'll right. release from the toe, and I'll say, okay, go instead of turning away from the glider or toe plane, I want you to follow the toe plane. And in fact, I want you to try flying in formation with the tow plane all the way back to the airport. Huh. It's actually a skills exercise as well as just being a fun thing to do. Right. Um, 
but just go ahead and try to fly formation with the tow plane. It's again, nothing you'd ever really do in the real world. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, uh, go ahead and try to collide with the tow plane. Try to hit it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been down at low altitude where I'm, I'm buzzing the local town, you know, seeing how close I can come to the church steeple without taking it out. Right. I've landed, uh, there are, there are lakes on the, on the, uh, in the, in the, in the terrain in Condor and you can land on them because, yeah. uh, the Condor scenery doesn't know that the lake is water. Right. And so it's, uh, it's actually very much like I have a seaplane rating and landing a glider on a lake in Condor is, is exactly like landing a, a seaplane. It's just exactly like landing a seaplane. You get all the same visual sensations when you're done. You're just sitting there floating on the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you, you feel like you want to open the cockpit and throw a fishing line out. <laughs> So just, just stuff like that, you know, just stuff that, oh, the other day I was flying with a friend of mine uh, in, in the, the Slovenia scenery in Condor. And part of the Slovenia scenery takes you out over the Adriatic Sea, which is just between um, Slovenia and Italy. And uh, we flew out over the water and the edge of the scenery in Condor is, is out in that corner. And when you hit the edge of the scenery in Condor, the glider, it's like it hit a force field. It stops moving. <laughs> you have all of all of the instrumentation is correct. It tells you you have an airspeed and everything else, right. but you're not moving. You're not moving forward. Oh. You're vertically descending. And so what we did is we flew out over the Adriatic. We hit the condor edge of the condor scenery, and then we just let the glider descend until we touched the water. Huh. We just made a vertical descent down to the water and right. we landed. Just something <laughs> unusual to do, something fun to do. Nothing yeah. again, nothing you'd ever do in the real world. Right, but you know, you can do other stuff. You can, you can crash the glider as much as you want to. You can crash it into trees and crash it into buildings and crash yeah. it into mountains. And it's just, just go ahead and do that stuff and have a good time with it. People will often say to me, well, you can't have people doing that because they're going to teach themselves bad habits. And uh, my contention now is that there is, there is nothing that you can teach yourself in Condor that I can't unteach you in five minutes. Right. So I know I'm no longer worried about people going ahead and doing things uh, in Condor that are, are crazy because you know they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. And yeah. so they might as well have a good time doing it. Yeah. So on the technical end of things, some people have single monitors, they have multiple monitors. Some people even go as far as having the wraparound. There is a lot of crazy stuff you can do in it. Yeah. And the, and the uh, you know, if you're not going to go to a virtual reality headset, um, Condor will support multiple monitors. So you can, you can either use like three monitors to kind of create a wraparound effect one of, my, one of my people I was working with actually bought a really expensive, you know, wraparound monitor, which was, uh, and it was great. You know, he was getting a, a lot of the, the 3D effect um, without without having to put on a headset. Headsets can be a little comfortable, uncomfortable after a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really all you need to be able to see is, a, is just a, a, a wider field of view. And, yeah. and your brain your brain just disappears into it. So, I, in fact, to some extent, the wraparound monitor might be, in some cases, better than VR because the VR still only gives you a rather limited field of view um, at any given time, where yeah. the wraparound is is more peripheral and a little more realistic in that way. But some put the head tracking on it too. When yep, using the head monitors. tracking will work. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then, yeah. So the nice thing about VR or head tracking is that your 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 brain doesn't realize it, but when when the view moves and your head doesn't, your brain has a disconnect between what it's what it normally feels as your neck muscles turn and your head literally turns your your brain is processing all of that in combination with what it's seeing and when it doesn't feel those movements like it doesn't when you're just moving the the view on the monitor you can actually get nauseated oh yeah yeah which and a lot of people will put on a virtual headset a virtual reality headset and feel nausea almost right away and it's yeah. and that's for that reason 
by the way, you can you can train yourself out of that, but it's uh, it's not uncommon for people to put on a VR headset and start to feel a little nauseous, nauseous after a while. Also, from a from a technical perspective, um, Condor was designed to be a networked piece of software, meaning you're running Condor on my on your end, and running I'm running Condor on my end, and we can actually connect with each other and fly as if we're in the in the same airspace. Yeah, yeah. Over the larger internet, you can literally do that with anybody in the world. But uh, I remember I was talking to you about Poker Night. Condor will run across your local area network, so your internal network in your house, your your local Wi-Fi. Yeah. Condor will run across that. You don't have to go out into the larger internet to network Condor sessions together. And um, interesting enough, uh, I remember you, I think we talked about the international competitions that um, that Condor that you that Condor flies. Right. Mm-hmm. A while back, they were they were actually mimicking uh, real glider competitions. So, like there was some kind of a, I think it was a. Um, uh, Grand Prix, uh, Grand, Grand Prix, Prix racing. Yeah. yeah, so there are actually real Grand Prix events. What Condor was doing is they were simulating actual Grand Prix events. So the Grand Prix event was going on, and Condor, the people in Condor were setting up the exact same event in Condor and, and letting people fly that same event in simulation. Yeah. yeah. As part of that, in, when COVID hit, a lot of those real-world events um, didn't occur. And so... Condor actually set up, they added another feature called Spectate. If you have Condor running on your machine, you can connect to someone else's session. So let's suppose there's a race going on someplace. You don't want to race. You just want to fly along with the people who are racing. Uh, The Spectate feature will allow you to connect to that race as a spectator. And then you get the whole list of people who are flying the race and you can connect to any of them and switch between them. And it's like you're now in their glider flying with them. That's very cool. So you can go fly with the you can go fly with the lead guy, or if your friend is flying the race, you can fly along with your friend. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It's a pretty neat feature, and because it's um, using Condor's protocol for exchanging um, video, there's no there's no lag. There's no video lag like you might get with uh, when you're running Skype or something like that. Yeah, the spectate feature is is a very cool uh, part of networking. It's a relatively new feature, and it's great. Well, I'm going to put uh, some of the stuff in the show notes here so people can check it out especially the um group oh yeah the soaringtools.org definitely that one too that's some good stuff mm-hmm. people are doing yeah they're constantly adding landscapes it's 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 kind of nuts but i, I get a notification I, I swear like every couple of days new landscape i'm like oh yeah. man i can't download all these yeah there's something <laughs> called the con there's something called the condor the condor club and there's there's they've got so many landscapes out there it's almost impossible to find yeah, what you're you, looking for there's just so need many a bigger hard drive <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, version two files are really huge now. So one of the reasons for joining the Condor Club is that if you pay like a, you know, a, a, a pretty nominal fee, they give you better access to the download servers. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can down, you can download, if you try to download them for free, it takes a while. Yeah. It's even, it's even hard to find a server, but if you're a member, uh, you get much better access to the, yep, the download. That's true. For folks that are interested in getting into, you know, the simulation flying in, in Condor, there's an outfit here in the United States uh, called Cumulus Soaring. It's run by a, a great guy in, in the Minneapolis area called Paul Remdy. And uh, he provides uh, the software licensing and the, the, you know, the joysticks, the peripherals that you need, the joysticks, uh, rudder pedals, a um, couple other devices, and uh, expert, you know, excellent support for the, to the product and, and, the, uh, and the equipment that he sells. Uh, Condor Soaring Incorporated, uh, you just, just Google uh, Cumulus. Cumulus Soaring is actually the name of his, his company. So just Google cumulus soaring, and, and uh, I don't work for Paul, so this is a uh, unsolicited. 
<laughs> unsolicited promotion. Uh, he's a great guy and he, and he, he, he does great service to the Saurian community. So uh, I like to support him. I guess I'm done. I'm at the end of my list. Well, thanks, Scott. It's been great chatting with you again. Like I said, it's been a little while, so it's, it was a good time to catch up and some great ideas. I'll, I'll be back on uh, Condor here probably tonight before I retire because <laughs> now you give me all kinds of ideas. Get your fix before you go yeah, to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thank you, Chuck, for uh, for your podcast. This is uh, it, There's a, there's just incredible content out there, and uh, I'm, I almost feel like I'm, I'm lowering the average of, uh, of the quality of what you've got out there, but... Uh, you're doing a great service for the soaring community. So thank you. Well, thank you. But the soaring community has definitely stepped up. And, you know, when I called someone to, to chat, they're always willing to chat. And that has been a huge help. Like I said, a long time ago, when, when I launched this, it's the soaring communities podcast. So if there's something they're not hearing and they want to hear it, Hey, contact me and we'll make it happen. Excellent. All right. Good night, sir. Take care, Scott. Hey, it's Barbara, the gliding junkie. You're listening to Soaring the Sky, the Glider Pilots podcast. Hey, Chuck and everyone in this great community. Uh, it's David Flint here from Chile. I'm reporting in from a beautiful spring morning in the Southern Hemisphere here as our summer season just starts to ramp up. We're lucky in that sense because I know you're a little reversed up there. I wanted to answer an interesting question you posed on social media about the use of Condor. Um, and at least in our club, we use Condor and Google Earth as a great briefing and debriefing tool because the high resolution scenery and the real world terrain allows us to see and brief certain flights in a safe manner and in a controlled environment before we have to go flying. Especially here in the Andes Mountains, you have to consider in the summer when the snow melts off, uh, a lot of the places look very similar. So we use that as basically a safety tool and a briefing and debriefing tool for, for our flights and our pilots. And that's the reason why we, we encourage anyone to record their flight, even if they don't have an OLC-approved recorder. Any recording in our club is valid, and we let, love to brief them and debrief them, and, and it makes us safer and, and better pilots. So we, we think it's a valuable tool, and um, we recommend any club that, that can set it up for their members as a, as a great opportunity. Hey, Chuck. This is Jason at the Soaring Channel. I'm so excited that you've brought up the topic of Condor because it means a lot to me personally. I use Condor to train my children how to soar, show them basic airmanship and the aerodynamic theory behind it, how to understand the procedures of gliders, such as traffic patterns, launch procedures, airspace, radio calls even. For any of your listeners who have followed my self-launching sailplane adventure, they have seen the engine failure video in the DG-505 during launch with my son on board and the resulting positive outcome. I used Condor extensively to help plan ahead for exactly that scenario and many, many others. I've used Condor to practice self-launching sailplane engine failures anywhere from 20 feet to failure to stow. I even have used Condor to practice air starts, also known as relights or self-retrieves, and I now have examples of this extensive preparation and planning working in my favor on video, which will be shared very soon. As a powered airplane and airline pilot of over 11,000 hours, Condor has given me the opportunity to appreciate the amazing glide performance of these aircraft. Thank you, Chuck. Have a great day.
Hi everyone, Sergio from Surrey Master here. Many pilots find it difficult to engage in cross-country Surrey because reading the weather and finding the best MacReady setting for the different flight phases seems like an esoteric art and knowing when to change gears becomes an overwhelming task. I see many pilots wasting a lot of mental energy trying to figure out if a single terminal with a lower climb rate represents the trend or not and unfortunately most of this mental task is a waste. We don't have to go uh, cross-country flying with the tension of facing the unknown or trying to identify an extraordinary day behavior. Uh, in fact, most of the days will have the same bell-shaped energy variation profile. And except for days uh, when there's a, a front in the vicinity or some other feature that is indeed game-changing, most of the days will behave in the exact same way, almost following a timetable. We know that by 10 or 11 a.m. terminals will start, uh, that the strongest part of the day will take place between noon and 2 or 3 p.m., that by 4 p.m. thermal decay will start, and only those are patches which have already started their ascent in the atmosphere will still be rising by then, and that hardly any new thermal will be generated after 5 p.m. On a regular day with 12 hours of sunlight, by 5 p.m. there will be almost nothing left out there for you to climb on. Most of the days will follow this same script. And we don't have to spend a lot of energy trying to figure out what the day's profile will be like. Instead, focus on identifying in which part of this script you are flying in and change gears in a proactive way. You start the day flying with a more conservative MacReady setting, then go full steam ahead from noon up to 3 p.m. and after 3 p.m. start winding down the MacReady setting and start your final glide by 4 p.m. One of the hardest tasks for pilots is to identify when thermal window is reaching an end because it is counterintuitive. The end of thermal production is not marked by the reduction of thermal climb rates, but by the reduction of the number of active thermals and by the increase of thermal distance between them. That's why many pilots outland after the strongest part of the day, because they're allured by the unchanged climb averages and they don't pick up the signs that the number of active clouds on the horizon has reduced or that thermal spacing is increasing. Since they keep flying with the same MacReady setting, they will no longer be able to reach thermals ahead or to intercept them at the same lower heights as before and they will inevitably end up outlanding. If pilots by 3 p.m. start proactively changing gears, most of the tasks will be completed. You can even set an alarm in your cell phone to remind you that to change gears in order to 
reduce your Macready setting by 3 p.m. I guarantee you that it will work. Of course, all of this only makes sense if you have set an achievable task for the day, considering the day's duration, thermal intensity, and your sail planning performance. Low task planning quality is one of the greatest villains out there, so work on your meteorological briefing and flight planning skills to increase the quality of your proposed tasks. Once up there, it's up to you to read the weather and use the energy available in the best way possible. But knowing prehand what to expect is super helpful. See you in the next one, guys. For more tips, follow me on Instagram at SurreyMaster or check my website, SurreyMaster.com. If you would like to say hi and let us know where you are enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear from you. If you are a glider pilot and want to share your aviation journey, contact us at chuck at soaringthesky.com or send us a message on our website at soaringthesky.com and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next time for another soaring adventure here on Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. Soaring the Sky is written and produced by Chuck Fulton. Original music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton. Voiceover work was done by Michelle Perez.